Or you just basically you get on, you, you know, if you get on any of the uh, YouTubes or, or whatever, there's a lot of brainwashing going on with what our children are watching on iPhones and iPads and everything like that. When these goals are introduced, whether they pass or not, they pollute the discourse and have an impact on trans people's health and well-being. You have to be in an environment where your life, your rights, are being discussed as if it's an object, as if it's even up for discussion. Like, you're literally being debated. And I'm going to tell you, hands down, legislator after legislator, legislator has just been voices, people. The visibility has been everything. I've never seen organizing as powerful and broad-based as organizing in the South. And so I think that we are of a point of model. Hey y'all, this is Sophie Ziegler, they, them pronouns with Louisiana Trans Oral History Project and the Solidarity History Initiative. Hey y'all, it's your girl Natalie Mia Buck. I use she and her pronouns. I'm with Last Call Oral History Project. In episode one and two, we laid some foundational work for y'all. We asked the questions, under what conditions do we see anti-trans and queer rhetoric come up? How has the legislative landscape looked in Louisiana before 2020? And what has it looked like since? And here in episode three, we asked this question, right? So what happens when the answer to those prior questions is increased state and interpersonal violence towards trans and queer people, multiple bills at all levels of government targeting these communities, and what do those communities do about it? So with all of this context, over 2021, 2022, the state legislature are brewing up bills and something had to be done. It turns out, Sophie, trans and queer Louisianians came together, collected the power they had, and fought back. And thus, Natalie, a star is born. Intro stage right, local. The Legislative Organizing Coalition for All LGBTQ Plus Louisianians. I've been doing coalition work for years and years now, and I think one of the things that was really, really clear to me about this one was that even though there was like, you know, maybe a date in like January of 2021, I think, or February, where we, we all first came together in a Zoom meeting and started to have these conversations together it was like very much year to the making in terms of like what it actually looked like to build the network of relationships that made this particular coalition possible. And in Louisiana, work around trans rights and trans safety issues has been like racially segregated, culturally segregated, socioeconomically segregated, geographically segregated, like every division you can think of has been there for so long. We needed a team, we needed people, we needed experts from the medical community. It was really vital that we got our coalition together because as we've seen with like every social movement, the people involved in the movement can say stuff until they're like, blue in the face, but they're already marginalized and not empowered. So they're not respected in the same way that like their allies are. It was the first time we'd ever built a coalition. So it felt really powerful to 
have people I had met briefly or people I never met that came and it almost became like a little family. What we know from even like local was that, you know, we had a pretty robust team this year. Like the year before it was maybe like what? Yeah, like 10, 13 people who were like involved at all times. Exactly, exactly. That feels about right. Yeah, but this year felt more like 20 to 40 people who were like around. And so like movements take time to build and it sucks when like, you know, (laughs) do we have to keep building a movement in this way? What are they going to say next? That feels tough. But in the same way that I was waxing poetic about how I love all of organizing brains in the same space, I think we owe it to each other by states in the South to link arms a little more closely. So we just heard from Dylan Waggetsbeck, Peyton Rose, Michelle, and Dietz. All of whom we've heard from in earlier episodes. So in early 2021, a local came together, a group of organizers, a group of passionate individuals, and they continue to come together today to fight the fight that still needs to be fought. I know, that's right. I was lucky enough, Sophie, to be in the room with the other coalition members. And I remember we each had a certain college. Being someone that had actually been able to play in some of the roles that I would have been restricted from, I got to bring that kind of a background to the conversation and to what we were doing. I think about how the South has the largest concentration of LGBTQ plus people. And I think about how in Louisiana, we have such a rich history of our ancestors and our elders doing political work. It's such a rich history to build off of. And I really do think that in a way, I don't need to speak or advocate for anybody because we are powerful enough to do that on our own and for ourselves. But there is no denying that For some folks, that whole process might feel a little bit mystifying. And so I really think of my role is demystifying that process for folks and making it a bit easier to understand and letting folks know, hey, I'm here with you. Not only am I a member of this community, this legislation, these laws, these rulings, they impact us together. They impact us together. So I'm going to do what I can to like be with you on this sea journey as we try and do whatever we need to do to make things at least a little bit better for ourselves and for the people that are coming after us. So here we just heard Natalie of the Louisiana Trans Advocates in Monroe, Louisiana. Secondly, we heard from Anaya of the Louisiana ACLU. Yeah, and I think what's really important and cool here is that they're highlighting how each member of local really brought something different. And we know how critical it is to have multiple strategies in reaching a solution or in fulfilling a campaign. There's no silver bullet whenever it comes to like reaching a goal or fulfilling a campaign. And so I really like that we have people who are grassroots organizers. I love that we have people who are like really familiar with how the legislative process works. And I love people who are like, actually, we're here to do oral histories. A.K. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> and oral history is, in fact, is why I'm here. And I love all of us just found our way to fit in, right? Like, it's so wonderful. I said, like, oh, my gosh, I can't make it to all these calls. But I have a recorder and I'm used to asking questions. Let's make a podcast. It was perfect. So here we have Natalie again echoing the need and desire for building power by building base. 
I was the one of the few from the north part of the state um, that were trying to organize for this. And so a lot of mine was trying to actually get people engaged from my area and from the north parts of the state, whether it be for trying to send calls or emails or whatever it may have been to tell them, hey, reach to your representative, tell them like this is not good for Louisiana, it's not good for trans people. And so the largest part of what I was doing was that outreach there because I am so far from the Capitol, even though I did make a couple of the trips, a lot of ended up being just trying to organize people here to call an email and to reach out to representatives, however that may be. And even whenever we had one of like town hall meetings and we were discussing how this would impact people within our state, I was one of the people that was on there because I grew up things for us. I, I think that the really cool strengths are that we do literally have members across this entire state. I mean, there's like not a quarter of the state of Louisiana where I can't like figure out, okay, who is a trans person that we can call and be like, hey, what's going on in your neck of the woods right now, right? Um, with the coalition, that was sort of a like an institutional affiliation that like at some point we just weren't wearing those anymore. And so it was more about what it looked like for all of us to be working together as individuals with various connections to certain sets of resources and relationships and communities. So my role really was to provide some advising to the coalition around the legislative process and the politics of the space and offer some of what to expect and, and things like that as sort of a legislative vet. So now we're seeing an uptick in, and I don't even like this word, like specialized, but in such a great way that people are very much focused on missions. So while we all come together for legislative support, you know, when we're doing other work, we're doing our oral histories or we're working at the gender clinic or we're working in schools, right? We're doing our things that fit the needs and the wants of the community, and then we all come together to either uplift or fight back, coordinate and coalesce all of that together in a way that everybody's voice is heard and in a way that everybody feels as if they can be educated on the legislative process and be involved in the legislative process should they want to be there. That's Dylan, board member of Louisiana Trans Advocates, one of the main organizations who were fighting for LGBTQ plus people in legislation and one of the anchors of local. After Dylan, y'all heard from Sarah Jane, of Forum for Equality, another anchor in the early days of local. Local is also very lucky to have community-based community organizing efforts focus on trans wellness and liberation as a strategy for the liberation of all. Let's hear a little bit more from both Pearl and Dietz about wellness and the liberation of our communities. I want to elevate in how I combat anti-trans legislation, how I protect myself and my community from anti-trans legislation is by providing space for us to be ourselves, fully ourselves, unapologetically ourselves. And know that like we deserve healing. I deserve healing just by existing. But certainly through all these attacks that are happening, you know, living in a state that effectively wants to oust you. They want you to move. They want you to not exist. 
Because so much of the legislation has been focused around bodies. <laughs> and I think because I work in trans health, there's, there's a lot of like kind of immediate connection there that immediately impacted the people who I was serving. A lot of scared parents, a lot of scared kids, because so much of the legislation was targeting, you know, trans youth, whether that be around sports access, whether that be around medical access, like young people were really put on the, the front of this like range. And because I was in a unique position to be hearing actually in community and in conversation with more trans kids than most people had access to at any given point. You know, I'm already a politically oriented person. I'm already, you know, an abolitionist organizer. It already made sense to be doing this work because it's where my heart is at. Liberation is the name of the game, like forever and ever. Seeing the very real fear, not just among my immediate friends and family, but statewide made me feel like we have to mobilize behind this. I think what's so cool about the legislative organizing practice is that while some people are like building power from the base up, there's power to be like shifted and moved around legislators and around legislation. And I think people who do legislative organizing are important because they do just that. Yeah, I've heard this articulated in any number of ways, but one of them is, you know, like you need someone on the inside to open the window so you can hear the people outside chanting, right? Just like we discussed in episode one, Legislative work is never going to be liberatory in the sense that it's going to actually liberate us. It's always going to be instrumental. And so we add it to all the other things that are instrumental. We're trying to move this forward and we're trying to stop all the bad bills. We're trying to get good bills. We all are working together toward that. Yeah, it reminds me of the, like you have to create things that serve you while preserving the things that exist that also serve you while destroying the things that are coming for you. It has to be a multi-tiered front, like you're saying. We're all in this together. It would be nice if we didn't have to do it. But right? <laughs> right, right. And so speaking of that, I'm like, we have the legislative organizing and complementing that is the direct action. There are plenty of organizing happening on the grassroots side. And we'll hear from some of our folks, particularly Tony and Serena, I guess it was when we felt that there was something that we could do to help join with the people already on the ground, leading the work and just raising more vocal support here in New Orleans, where we had a base of people that we had been able to mobilize for things like demonstrations and phone zaps before. The Real Name campaign has a lot of socialists in it and was founded specifically by Marxist-Leninists. We're not just idealists, we're Leninists specifically. So when we saw this happening, we knew that on a practical level, a defeat for trans people materially is a defeat for any movement for liberation. But we like know from our readings of Lenin that a great strategy to use the legislature is an arena of struggle. Just like struggling in, in like a school or struggling in public and with the police, the legislature is just another site for struggle like any other. And that, that gives you the opportunity to not verify and feel like this is the arbiter of what is possible and what's impossible, but actually just another place to, to yell at someone and call them out their name. So <laughs> our main goals was to one, make sure that we didn't contribute to any losses to trans people. Because like I said, it losses to trans people is like a loss of the whole movement. There was a lot of conversations to be had about like, if we go up and blow up the spot in a way that's not in alignment with what organizers in Baton Rouge are doing, 
because this is not our neighborhood, if we're not careful, we could potentially undo something that someone's already been done just out of ignorance. So we figured that the health of the movement was more important than just like rushing through an action. So we did like a sort of like creative like sports day at the Capitol where we invited people to just have a ball game at the Capitol because anything that builds community is like building real like radical power. You've got to go at it with a lot of different approaches, right? For example, we weren't going to rely on like a lawsuit or we weren't going to rely on a friendly politician or a team of lobbyists. You know, uh, by all means, sue sue the legislature, get together your team of lobbyists, by all means. I'm not going to tell you not to, but what we want to rely on is we want to rely on the people to go out there and to light the fire under their feet. That means bringing people out to protests, phone zaps. That means direct actions. That means civil disobedience if necessary. So we opted for, I guess, civil disobedience. Um, The members of the campaign got together uh, and in the coming weeks, we had a lot of discussions about trust and uh, capacity and what people were willing to do and at what risk they were um, willing to take. Like we had someone doing media, someone who was prepared to handle things if we got arrested. Um, And as the session was starting, we were going to drop the banner Um, we had material prepared to recite the reasons why this was wrong, morally and ethically, why this was going to harm uh, Louisianians and Louisiana children, and then to be arrested. We were prepared to be peacefully, like, handcuffed and brought away somewhere until our our bail was posted. It was a white banner, with big black text, protect trans youth. I want to say it might have been visible for all of about 10 seconds, but that's that's really all we needed. They had just finished, the chaplain had just finished with the opening prayer. I think like the video that was recorded of this, you can start to hear us in the balcony. And from the balcony, you can see every single state representative and their aides turn around and looking at us. The acoustics was like not great. You couldn't hear what we were saying, but you knew exactly what we were there for. We clearly weren't threatening. We were being disruptive, but it was pretty obvious that we weren't a danger to anybody. We had these security officers like grabbing clothes, arms, and uh, trying to push us off. Um, At least I I can only speak from what I recall experiencing in that moment is that no one said I was under arrest. I wasn't moving. Um, I I wasn't being aggressive, but I, I wasn't moving either. As we were pulled down the staircase and balcony, I can at least recall myself, and I know other people were saying, we're going peacefully, you, you don't have to push us, you don't have to shove us. I don't think that how it was handled was safe for anybody in the building. Um, I don't know that the legislative session would have been disrupted anymore if they waited three minutes for us to have just been removed through arrest. It was just a lot more brutal 
brutal than even we would have anticipated. Once we got down the stairs, we were led outside. There were state troopers there kind of like waiting for us, I guess, to just be a means to not let anyone back in. They must have been like some head of security. I remember him saying something along the lines of that's not the right way to do it, like to not have respect for the system and not have respect for other people's voices. Um, And I think in that moment, I came to the realization that I hadn't put into words yet is we were there because we couldn't have respect for a system that is being weaponized to harm and erase trans people in the state. Everybody walked away without arrest. Everybody walked away without any serious physical injury. We actually came back to the steps after being told not to come back and did a press conference with four or five different media sources. First, I'll shout out to The Real Name Campaign for their powerful, powerful, powerful work. And this this need for like disrupting power and doing it in a way that is actually meant to build the power of other people um, is very important because, again, you need people chanting outside so that the people inside, when they open that window, they actually are hearing what actually needs to be done and not in a cute way, not in a polite way. People have suffered in silence for years. And I think it's really important to have people who actually are like, we're not actually here to appease you. We're not going to talk sweet to you. We're here to disrupt what you are doing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And again, what we're seeing is just so much of that spectrum of possibilities represented all together in local. It's just like really affirming, right? And I don't know. Do we see the chance, Natalie? I don't know. Like, like it's tough to live in Louisiana. Just think about all the the wonderful things that have come together in reaction to the shenanigans. Like, just... Right. We were like, well, we're going to pick on the trans folks who aren't bothering anybody. And we're all like, wait, what? And like suddenly we're all together. Exactly. And now we have all of these connections across the state that feel really good. And now even when we're not just like fighting the good fight or whatever, local has actually helped to create a network of people who can just be there, love on each other and support each other. And that feels like it'll last way beyond any legislation. And I, th- I think there's just so many wonderful things to say about local. And, and in a lot of ways, this episode is sort of a celebration of them. Let's go ahead and end with some clips about how folks think of local from within local. I see the coalition that has come up this year, and I feel better than ever, like better positioned than ever, that we have more powerful people than we ever have before to, to show up. And really, the thing that I I'm most proud of is that this is a much broader, wider, diverse group of folks who are working together now than we had five, six years ago. And like that is the way forward and is what is going to give us the lasting capacity to fight this stuff back is to have this much wider group of folks who are coming in, learning how these things work, getting involved, being passionate about it. And it's really exciting to see. I would say like something I'm very proud of bringing into spaces that combat anti-trans legislation is the urge and the energy for a leaderful movement of finding what all of our strengths are individually and then supporting that, Um, you know, because it's 
think of like Power Rangers. They all came together to make that Mighty Morphin John. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't just take the Yellow Ranger. It didn't just take the Black Ranger. Like everyone has to come together with their specific traits and qualities and create this like fist of a movement. So that's like something I'm proud of and something that I can do in session, out of session at any time. Honestly, I think for me, the past two sessions have been the most beautiful and the most remarkable because it has been surrounded in community and coalition. And I think that Louisiana has always been ready for that type of work. And a lot of that goes to the fact that the people in our community now have capacity, now have time. There's an expansion of resources within community that allow people to have the time to volunteer, right? Like there's been so much of our community that has to work and work and work and survive. We're now seeing joy and, and love. And I, and I think that that's really what pushes this community work forward. I have been really inspired by the intentionality that local put forth in particular to fight just as hard for each other, maintaining our wellness mentally, physically, spiritually as we were fighting against the bad things. To me, that felt like it was almost always in pretty close balance. And I don't think that that's awfully common with legislative planning. I think there's all kinds of other organizing that really holds that at the front, but I have not witnessed, you know, and I, I've, I've been living in New Orleans for 10 years and I was involved in like some legislative stuff, you know, here and there as it had popped up, but I, I had never been in a space that was that intentional. And what model making that is, you know, like what beautiful positive modeling that is for how we ought to fight for that and curate that in other spaces in our lives. So I'm really grateful for that. And so there you have it, everybody, the Legislative Organizing Coalition for all LGBTQ Louisianans was birthed as a direct response to the community's call for a broad strategy on keeping trans and queer people safe in this state. We want to take a second to honor the organizing legacy in which local was created and honor all of y'all doing this work. We love y'all, fam. We are now in 2023. The legislative session is going. Things are hmm, bad again. So find where you fit in this, right? Reach out to your local trans and queer organizers, organizations. Find where you can help. Let's get together. There's space for everybody. There's a need for everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. <laughs>